The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. PFTOT Time Wednesday edition. Some things we didn't get to during today's program, plus a topic that popped up at the very end of the program. That's where we're going to start today. Jalen Ramsey still wants out of Jacksonville. Jalen Ramsey tried to say he had the flu on Monday, ultimately showed up for work, and that all died down, which tells me somebody told him probably not your best move. Probably not the hill to die on in Jacksonville to claim you have the flu when you don't. But, Chris, now here we are Wednesday, the first big day of work in advance of the week four game against the Denver Broncos. He's got hamstring injuries. He's got a back injury. And he's got a lot of people who think it's a bunch of crap because he tried to get out of working on Monday as he tries to get out of Jacksonville for good. Where do we think this goes? Yeah, right. Is this sustainable, right? How does this end for Jacksonville and for Jalen Ramsey? Well, I know there's there's a lot of things here. I mean, it's unfortunate for one because he's awesome and their defense is special. And I, I still don't think they're out of this, especially if he's in there playing in Jacksonville. They can win some defensive struggle type of games. But I, how does it end, Mike? I mean, the the fact that I feel like we would have saw him traded this weekend if we were going to see him traded. Uh, but the fact that he does things like this, is it more of a sign that, you know, somebody is trying to make a deal happen still and he knows that so he doesn't want to risk his body? Or is it more of a sign that no deal is happening and he just doesn't want to play in Jacksonville in general? I kind of go with my first in, uh, instinct there, which would be he has an inkling that something might go down and he does not want to risk himself this week at practice or maybe in the game on Sunday. See, and I'm not ready to go that far because there hasn't been any additional chatter. And if there was a team out there trying to shake Jalen Ramsey away from the Jaguars, there would be some reporting to that effect because there's reason to get it out there to continue this sense of momentum toward a trade. I think what happened is that once he said he wants out, the Jaguars set a price tag, teams started to talk to them, and that created a sense of inevitability that Jalen Ramsey has not been able to shake. And, you know, once you let that cat out of the bag, it's very difficult to undo it. So as of right now, I don't think anything's going on, but the damage was done last week when Ramsey, remember he had that press conference on Wednesday where he had that, that, uh, the cat that ate the canary smile about, you know, I'm happy as long as I'm here, but I may not be here, whatever it may be. Uh, He, he thought he was getting out. And then when he found out after the game on Thursday night, he wasn't getting out, that the Jaguars want to keep him, but apparently don't want to pay him yet. That's when he reverted back to, I want out. I want out. And if they're not going to let me out, I'm going to make them want to get rid of me. Yeah. And that's what I think this week's strategy has been. I just don't think it's going to work. Well, yeah, it'd be interesting. I mean, also, I think we have to play into the fact, like you, you said a lot of right things there too, but within that, you know, I think the asking price is probably too high for a lot of teams right now, too, where they go, wait, this doesn't look like it's going to end well regardless. And maybe some of these teams got an inkling that Jalen Ramsey 
is or was or is drawing a line in the sand to go, I'm not coming back to where they go, ooh, the asking price might come down in about 10 weeks or 10 days, two weeks from now when Jalen Ramsey shows he's not going to play and he's fully going to go off radar on this football team to degree. So maybe that's at play. These are just things that go through my mind because I know for a fact that there was three or four teams very interested in making calls. But, yes, I don't know how far down the road they got in some of those uh, conversations. And this gets back to a conversation we had about Melvin Gordon a few weeks ago. The Chargers wanted a one and a five for Melvin Gordon. And the argument in response is, hey, if you view him that highly, then why don't you pay him? So I'd say the same thing to the Jaguars. If he's worth two first-round picks, why aren't you paying him? Why aren't you making him happy? Very solid. The Jaguars have mishandled the relationship. It begins with the fact that they didn't pay him the moment he became eligible for a new contract after the 2018 season ended. It continues with whatever has gone on from a relationship standpoint that's gotten him pissed off, the meeting with Tom Coughlin that went off the rails, and now that he wants out, they're not paying him now. This would be the easiest way to fix this. He had quotes last week on a podcast with Nate Burleson right. where 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 he made it. The way I read it is, I want somebody to appreciate me. Well, no one says I appreciate you more than a giant bag of money. Yes. And that's what they should have done, and that's what they still should do. They want to be able to squat on him. They want to be able to let this die down. They hope it dies down. They hope they start winning, and they hope that Jalen Ramsey decides to stick it out, and they'll make a decision after this season. I just don't think they're going to have that luxury, and I think that's why he's pushing back now. He wants this to be resolved now yeah and I still think the giant bag of money is a way to make it make it work get it fixed I I think that whatever damage you think is done we've seen negotiations between player and team Von Miller Justin Tucker had an ugly negotiation with the Ravens a few years ago in the summertime Robbie Gold this offseason I mean yeah that's right all that goes away yeah once you drop the giant bag of money on the table and I think that that same thing would happen with Ramsey so if the Jaguars do that it's fixed if not they're going to have to deal with this guy. They're going to have to trade him after the season, if not before the October 29 trade deadline. Chris. Yeah, no, I know. It, it's certainly seeming that way. I, it's going to be. I'm with you though. I would think money could soothe the situation over, and maybe showing some appreciation. Maybe, maybe there is just a little bit too of a, a hard line military approach down there in Jacksonville, where Jalen Ramsey just is like. Man, I cover Tyree Kill and he doesn't do anything and nobody really says anything to me around here about how great I am or you know, it's great that we have you as an asset to a football team. It is an organization's job to make sure their star players feel like they're star players, you know, not that they're bigger than the rest of the team, but they are appreciated. You've made that point a lot and I think that's a very real point. Um also, I just I really think when they saw Xavier Howard sign the contract this offseason to become the highest paid corner in football, they should have like the next day just offered him something one up from Xavier Howard and been done. I mean, the cornerback market hasn't gone anywhere since Josh Norman signed his contract with the Redskins. What was that four years ago now? It's gone nowhere, really. And that's amazing. And to be able to get Jalen Ramsey for basically a little more than for what Josh Norman's being paid in Washington is a steal. And I do. I'm, I'm with you there. They should have got that out of the way to begin with in the offseason with Jalen Ramsey. And this all gets back to Tom Coughlin. You know, we put him on the hot seat during the draft today on PFT Live, but has the game passed him by? Is he able to relate to today's players? Does he understand the way things work? And look, one more point I want to make about this. As there's this discussion about 
NFL players acting like NBA players. This is a team that is pushing back against that. And really, Chris, it was getting out of hand. It was NFL players having even more power than NBA players because I rarely, and I don't pay enough attention to the NBA, so maybe I'm wrong here. I don't recall guys getting out during a season. It's always who's going to finagle their way to free agency and how the contracts are structured so you can get out when you want to get out. But I don't remember a time where LeBron James was trying to get out of a team in January, right? No, it, it, you're it right. happens after a season. And and you've got between Antonio Brown and now Jalen Ramsey and then Jamal Adams kind of last week, you got guys who are trying to dictate trades out of town during a season. I, I think that uh, teams do need to stand up against that. And and the one little bit of credit I'll give the Jaguars is that they are standing firm. They are. They do have You're Ramsey right. in a box on this. There really isn't anything he can do at this point. He should have held out in hindsight, but he didn't. No, you're right. I don't think there's anything you can say. Only thing he can do now is say he's not playing and say his hamstring and lower back are tight, uh, which is skeptical for the, at the very least right now because he did come in with that flu claim, and that just wasn't the best way to go about it. You know, the Pittsburgh Steelers are having a rough year. They're 0-3. They lost Ben Roethlisberger for the season. He had surgery earlier this week on his elbow. Vance McDonald, who some of us, one of us, you, Chris, expected was going to have a big year, hasn't yeah. had a big year, and he's banged up. He's got a sprained shoulder. The Steelers actually gave up a fifth-round pick to get Nick Vanette from the Seattle Seahawks for help at the tight end position. It's the second draft pick the Steelers have given up in a week. They gave up a first-round pick that could be a top-ten pick, by the way, the Steelers are going for Micah Fitzpatrick. There's this weird mortgaging in the future. This is a team that should be selling assets, not buying assets to prop up an 0-3 team. But you know what? There could be a little bit of a sense of desperation in Pittsburgh that they got to get some wins, that they got to do something because the fans there, they, they support that team, but they are never required to support them unconditionally because the team is always good. Right. If this is going to be a very rare bottom-out type of a season for the Steelers, I don't know what the fans do, and I don't think the Steelers want to find out. Yeah, I, I, well, I think you're right, though. They're trying to salvage something there in Pittsburgh and, you know, not go down. You know, they're trying to go down with a fight. Uh uh, I, I mean, yes, I was not a fan of the Minka Fitzpatrick trade. You know that. We vocalized that last week. This one, you know, I could deal with a little bit more. I mean, especially I, I would think this is a tight end that they've looked at. He came from Ohio State. Pittsburgh's not far from there where they feel like he might have a future for the team. But it does, you know, seem a little odd. But they, I think really the other thing, too, is without Vance McDonald, and now you have Mason Rudolph, who we know is not Big Ben and not going to win games throwing the ball 40 and 45 times a game, that they want to get back to running the ball and get into two and three tight end sets and do things like that. And without Vance McDonald, they couldn't do it. So I think they just realized that to, to salvage any hope on the offensive side of the ball, they need to play with this formula, and they didn't even have the pieces to play that that type of formula and that's probably why they traded for Vinette. Yeah, and and again, I it's just it's a weird spot for the Steelers because they're rarely in a situation like this and that's a testament to how good they've been yeah. for the last 50 years. So, look, we did the hot seat draft earlier today on PFT Live and you and I both considered putting Mike Tomlin on the hot seat. I can't imagine the Steelers firing him because they never fire anybody, especially coaches. Although Chuck Knoll was kind of nudged out after, you know, all those years of greatness, but then there were some years of relative mediocrity. But uh, look, it all comes down to dollars and cents. 
And if people start staying away from those games, and eventually people in Pittsburgh will, they will only take so much ineptitude before they say, screw this, we'll go to Penguins games instead. That's when you have to take it more seriously. You know, the, the Roonies have been able to stand behind Chuck Noll, Bill Cowher, and Mike Tomlin because far more often than not, the teams are good. They, they were not like that pre-1969 because the teams weren't good. They were like every other team where you got to fire somebody after every few years if you stink. So if the Steelers are going to stink this year, and they're already three games into stink, is Mike Tomlin vulnerable? And, and I really do think that there's a way the dominoes fall where Art Rooney decides I got to make a change, Chris. Yeah, I mean, I, I get it. I, you know, hey, you know, that's the perception. Perception's reality. They're not playing good. They didn't go to the playoffs last year. You know, the Antonio Brown saga. Mike Tomlin's a defensive coach. Their defense is 28th in football. You know, it's, uh, Mike Tomlin's the winningest coach ever in the history of the Pittsburgh Steelers. He's been to two Super Bowls, won one of them. There's a lot of great, uh, but yeah, it's not looking good right now. I don't expect it to be an in-season change. I don't think that's like the DNA of the Pittsburgh Steelers. I'm I kinda, agree. I'm, I agree. Yeah, I'm kind of with you. I think it'll be something they do after the season's over. But yeah, if things continue this way. Uh, it, it's hard. It's hard not to say that he wouldn't be on the hot seat and that they wouldn't consider a change just the way things have gone down the last few years. Now I'll say this for some reason, Mike Tomlin gets blamed for the Le'Veon Bell situation, which I think we both agree. Come on. That was just business in the NFL and Le'Veon Bell had the guts to basically play hardball, And he did that. That had nothing to do with Mike Tomlin and managing the football team. And I think the other thing where we can defend Mike Tomlin a little bit, and I know, okay, he's partly to blame too, but damn, I think we've learned he did a lot of good managing damn Antonio Brown. I mean, it was, he did some miracle work. Did he though? Well, he, he might've, he might've, he might've like helped, you know, bring along created, the monster a little bit. I get he it. He created the monster. But he's still within that monster, went like seven or eight years of handling that monster until the end of last year, where really financial components got into this and Antonio Brown. And that's why he wanted out of there. So, uh, you know, we're seeing the Raiders, the Patriots, uh, Antonio Brown, wasn't that easy to, to handle all together with all the things that goes on. And, and maybe, maybe the monster had to be created. Otherwise it had to be killed. Right. I mean, yeah, maybe right. if Mike Tomlin didn't enable him. It all would have fallen apart and they wouldn't have had the benefit of a, of a very talented Antonio Brown. And he would have been out of the league a maybe, long time ago. Exactly. Maybe right. this meltdown would have happened in 2012. Right. So he, he did, he did create a set of rules for Antonio Brown and look the other way on some things, but maybe he knew in his heart he had to because this is one guy you can't push, even though he's a six-round pick. Because I've said before, look, at some point between being a sixth-round pick from Central Michigan and becoming the best receiver in the NFL, there's a way to clip his wings and keep him from becoming a diva. Maybe Mike Tomlin knew there was no way he was going to stop it from happening and it was just going to all fall apart if right. he didn't accommodate Antonio Brown. So hey, I got to give him some credit yeah, there. Yeah, I, I'll give him a little credit. Yeah, good for you. That's all right. That's he's, he, I think he does deserve it. I mean, listen, I mean, if Bill Belichick and Bill Parcells drew a hard line with Lawrence Taylor, I don't think things would have worked out real well. I think there's a number of relationships we could have gone through in the history of football where we go, man, if they really drew a hard line and tried to clip the wings, as you say, uh, that, that could have just fallen apart. We never would have saw that star really flourish. And I think there's a number of examples, and it's part of football and what happens sometimes. Some of you may be saying, well, wait a minute. How can Mike Tomlin be on the hot seat? Didn't he get an extension in the offseason? But remember, and when we when we were able to kind of scratch the surface a little bit, it is ultimately a one-year 
bump. Yeah. And it's not nearly the kind of financial commitment that would keep the Steelers from making a move if they believe their broader business interests necessitate making a change. And I know from being 100 miles away from Pittsburgh, anytime that team struggles on Mike Tomlin's watch, you have people in Pittsburgh who want to get rid of him. Yeah. And if they are 0 and 4, 0 and 5, 0 and 6, 1 and 8, 2 and 10, that's not acceptable based upon the standard they've set in Pittsburgh. And that's the kind of thing that you get people overwhelmingly in support of making a coaching change. And if it ever becomes a serious financial issue for the Steelers, then I think they have no choice but to move on. Yeah. All right. Financial issue has kept Melvin Gordon out of L.A. for the entire season. And, you know, Chris, I- I've written about this. We haven't talked about it much. This is like the holdout nobody gives a crap about. Isn't it weird? Yes. You have a-, a running back who's good, not great, who is denying his services to his team. He's missed three regular season games, game checks of nearly $330,000, And, uh, you know, people are confused about when he has to come back. I want to address this because it's it's clear where the authority comes from that applies to when he needs to come back. It's not clear exactly when he should come back to be in the best possible standing. But this all comes from, and we've mentioned this before, the Joey Galloway grievance from 2000 when he was playing for the Seattle Seahawks. And the end result was Joey Galloway was on the Seahawks roster for eight games that year. The Seahawks position was if you hold out for even one regular season game, you don't get credit for that year of your contract. That's what this is all about now from Elvin Gordon. He's got his four years of credit for free agency. He needs credit for his last year of his rookie contract. So the Joey Galloway grievance says if you're there for eight games, you're good to go. You could read that grievance and the the, the written opinion that – that applies the reasoning and goes through the CBA and the player contract, et cetera. You could read that as saying that he only has to be on the roster for one game. That's a very aggressive reading of it. I think the safest thing for Melvin Gordon is to be on the roster for eight games, which means being there long enough to get through a three-week roster exemption if the Chargers use it, which means, Chris, right. showing up between week five against the Broncos and week six against the Steelers. To me, that's the window to watch, and it's coming up very quickly. And people are going to be surprised if he shows up that early because people are saying, oh, he doesn't have to show up until week 10. Oh, he doesn't have to show up until the final 30 days of the season. I think the safest course for him is to show up the day after the Broncos game week five and be ready to go or be on the roster exempt list for week six against the Steelers. I feel like that's the end game, and it's going to be here before we know it. Yeah, I, I mean, I think you're right. Uh, I would like to see him be there at some point between week five and week six because you're right. If he goes there week nine, week ten, tries to do that, they could, little, uh, you know, oh, you're not in football shape or you didn't pass the physical yet. Or they could, they could pull a lot of shenanigans to say you're not on the roster quite yet, and then they can come back to screw you. And they might do that. Because they might be pissed off and the fact that Melvin Gordon is holding out and really has no leverage in the situation anyways, and they probably feel like they're in a window of being a good team and he's messing well, and that Chris, up. Chris, it's business. Look, yeah. if, if you can make the argument that you still hold his contract for another year, right. then you can trade him and you get you get something in return in 2020 in advance of the draft instead of letting him leave in free agency and get a supplemental draft pick a year later. So there is value to the franchise. There's value to all teams. This is a management council thing. Hey, the guy was only on the roster for three games. That doesn't fit within Joey Galloway. If you're only on the roster for three games, your contract tolls and the team still holds your rights the next year and i know we're getting into the weeds here legally a little yeah, bit right but this is important because here's the thing 
I have seen the graphics when I, I watch different networks and I see what they're saying as to when guys need to show up. And they're just wrong. No one has mentioned the Joey Galloway grievance. He works for ESPN for crying out loud. And they've never mentioned the Joey Galloway grievance as far as I know. That is the driving force for this Melvin Gordon thing. And the safest deadline for showing up is coming up in just about, what, 11 or 12 days. Yeah. Yep. Um, I, I hope he does it for his sake. Listen, I hope he does it for the Chargers' sake. The Chargers miss Melvin Gordon. They're one and two. I have a hard time thinking Melvin Gordon would have fumbled on the one-yard line going in against Detroit, and maybe they win that game. You know, there's been another – you know, their offense puts up numbers, so we always look at it and go, oh, they're okay in offense. They don't need them. But there's been a number of big runs I've seen from Austin Eckler and Justin Jackson where I sit there on film and go, hmm, that was a good run. Mm, but Melvin Gordon might have broke that last tackle and gone the extra 40 yards for the touchdown. Or he might have ran through that arm tackle and got an extra 30 and 40 yards there. So they're missing him, whether they want to admit it or not or anything like that. It's hurting their football team. He is a special player. He's just like if you said many times, he's not the cream of the crop right now at running backs. He's not an Ezekiel Elliott, Saquon Barkley, Christian you know, McCaffrey, uh, Dalvin Cook right now it's probably in that conversation he's not in that category he's that next group down but he's still a special football player and I want to see him get paid become a free agent and I'm sure the Chargers would like to see him and need his help too and that was the point you made about Ezekiel Elliott, and it was a great point you know Tony Pollard gains four yards well Ezekiel Elliott maybe gains eight yards yeah and so right. Melvin Gordon could be playing better than these yes. guys are performing right that doesn't make him an elite running back but I still think that uh, he needs to be there he will be there he needs that year of credit under his contract to become a free agent, and then somebody on the open, and he'll find out. Then we'll find out what he's worth. Yeah, Chris, he right. thinks he's worth thirteen million a year. We'll find out in March. Yep, yep. I, and yeah, I don't know if he's going to be worth that ever, just because of the knee issues and things like that. But he's worth more money than he's getting now, and he's not happy with that. Uh, I think realistically, he's probably like a ten, ten, eleven million dollar a year type of guy. All right, that's it for today's PFT OT. Programming note that we didn't have time to mention during PFT Live, we stand down on Thursday for the live program because the Rugby World Cup is ongoing. But Thursday is the big joint Chris Sims unbuttoned PFT PM podcast where we go over every game to come. And fortunately, Chris, the buys start this week. Unfortunately, it's only two teams. So we have 15 games instead of 16 games. I'll take One of it. these weeks, we'll have 14 or 13. But at least for now, it's 15 games. We'll get you ready for every one of those games. We'll do that on Thursday. Check us out around the clock at profootballtalk.com. We'll see everybody tomorrow. Peace. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. 
try the $5 bacon bundle because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the bacon cheese slider, 1921 bacon cheese slider, or chicken bacon ranch slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 bacon bundle. White Castle, follow your crave.